This is a special edition of Civic from the San Francisco Public Press and Mayor London Breed's press conference for April 17th, 2020. Thank you all so much for joining us this afternoon. I want to start by providing the most updated numbers. Currently, uh, we have 1,058 cases uh, here in San Francisco of those diagnosed with the coronavirus. And sadly, we have uh, 20 people who died uh, from this illness. And for more information, please uh, visit datasf.org slash COVID-19 for our full tracker and more information that you may be interested in reviewing. I just wanted to talk about the anniversary of the 1906 earthquake. This weekend marks the 106th anniversary of that earthquake when we all can uh, look back on our history and remember during that time, uh, not only did the earthquake hit and it really uh, physically destroyed buildings and many parts of our city, uh, there was a very devastating fire that, that occurred. Um, and in fact, uh, over 3,000 people lost their lives. And during that time, uh, San Franciscans didn't throw up their hands. We took to our feet. We came together with businesses, with people from all over the city, and we focused on rebuilding. We got through that because we came together. We got through the 1906 earthquake because we worked together, because we didn't throw up our hands. We stood to our feet, and we focused on recovery. And that really is the spirit of what it means to be a San Franciscan. It really does represent who we are because we focus on how do we get through this and how do we move forward and how do we become better than ever. This is a resilient city because of that. And just like after the 1906 earthquake, uh, the work that went into rebuilding our city and making it stronger for future earthquakes that we knew were coming, we also really rebuilt this city, and we have been through a number of challenges that have made us even stronger and better. This is a pandemic like no other, and this is a challenge that we will get through, and just like in the 1906 earthquake, we will rebuild and we will thrive. Today, I want to talk a little bit about our new directive that Dr. Colfax will provide some more information about and that is a new requirement to wear face coverings. Now, we've asked, uh, we've recommended face coverings uh, in the past, and now, as of midnight tonight, it will be a requirement. But I don't want you to be alarmed. I want to make sure that people know our goal isn't to enforce until April 22nd to give people who may not have access to face coverings the opportunity to get access to them. Uh, We are working to uh, distribute some to many of our vulnerable populations, but we want to ask members of the public uh, to to do this now, if you can, Uh, whether it's a mask, and there is no need to wear an N95 mask. Those masks should be reserved for our healthcare workers, but any type of mask, face covering, uh, a scarf, or something that will cover your nose and your mouth, this will be a requirement for people who are standing in line 
uh, at grocery stores or any other place that's open for essential services. It's going to be required when you're inside of those locations. Anytime you're indoors or within close proximity of others within an essential business or at work, like many of our city employees who are essential workers on the front lines, you will be required to wear a mask. Now, if someone is out walking and they're with other folks, uh, I mean, someone's out and they're with other people in their household, um, or you're running or you're exercising or you're doing something out in the open and you're social distancing yourself from others, um, that is not as problematic as when you're standing in line and you're in other locations where there are a lot of people. Uh, we want to be clear that the requirement to wear face coverings does not take the place of social distancing, maintaining six feet regardless of this new requirement. And I also want to make it clear, if you are not a police officer, don't act like one. We're not expecting people to police one another because the fact is you can't control what other people do. You can only control what you do. And what we ask you to do is if you can obey the order and have a face covering on and keep your distance at at least six feet from anyone. So I want to be clear that what we don't want is more confrontation, more stress, and more drama in general as a result of this order. We don't expect anyone in this city to step up and police anyone other than the people who work for the San Francisco Police Department. So please do your part to follow the order and worry about what you need to do and not what someone else is doing. And we will do our very best in order to manage this situation. And Dr. Colfax will uh, talk a little bit more about the face covering requirements, but this does, not, um, in, this does not change the need for us to social uh, distance ourselves from one another. It does not change our existing rules. It does not make it better. Um, it's just an additional requirement, an additional layer that is truly necessary uh, to help us uh, really flatten the curve. So far, uh, you have been doing an amazing job. So many people in this city have been doing an amazing job of uh, keeping your distance, following the order, uh, respecting one another and your, your space, and, and we want to continue that. And we're just adding an additional uh, requirement that will also help in this effort. Speaking of staying at home, I also want to just remind people that uh, during 420, we are going to be um, at Golden Gate Park. Uh, we're going to fence up Golden Gate Park. We're going to have police officers out in force, and we will not allow any large gatherings of any kind at Golden Gate Park. So I am asking you to stay at home for 420. It is not going to happen at Golden Gate Park. So please follow this order, and not just as it relates to large gatherings for 420, but for any other large gatherings. I just want to remind people, for example, and I, I've talked about the choir where they practiced social distancing and they had rehearsal and 45 people were infected and two died. Situations where people and families have gotten together anyway and only to discover that they are now infected with the coronavirus. This is real. 
It can hit you at any time. And even if you don't care if you get infected, please care about your family members and the other folks that you come in contact with. You know, I always bring this back to my grandmother who raised me. There is no way that if she was still alive today that I would want to be the reason why she was infected or I would want anyone to infect her because of being irresponsible in this effort. So just keep that in mind. So many people are counting on us to do the right thing. Stay home for 420. Don't come to San Francisco. Uh, we are not welcoming any large gatherings of any nature, not just during 420, but any other time, as long as the stay-at-home order is in place. Thank you all so much for your understanding and your cooperation. I want to also um, take this moment to talk about a few expanded resources because we know that our seniors and our disabled population, they are probably struggling. In some instances, they have neighbors who are looking out for them or family members or folks who are volunteering to run errands and do grocery shoppings. But the fact is they may need to take essential trips. Uh, they may need to do, the, for health reasons or what have you, they may need to go somewhere and they're concerned about getting on the bus and they're concerned uh, that because they're part of the vulnerable population uh, about getting around the city and uh, there are mobility challenges that exist that make it difficult for them to do so. So we, um, the San Francisco uh, SFMTA has created an essential trip card program, which provides reduced cost taxi trips for older adults and people with disabilities. So while this, while this is an important resource for people who may have limited mobility and who don't have other transportation options, available. With this program, people can get a card that allows them to take two to three trips per month at 20% of the cost of a regular fare. So for example, if the fare is $10, then the person only pays $2, which is really uh, incredible for our senior population and those who have disabilities. We want to make sure that transportation for essential needs or things that you may need to do, uh, that it's not a barrier uh, during this time. It's important that we provide creative solutions for our vulnerable populations, and that's exactly what we're doing with this program. If you want more information, uh, please call 311 or you can visit the SFMTA website. Uh, we are here for you and we are here to do all we can uh, to take care of the residents of San Francisco. I, I wanna again express my appreciation to each and every one of you. Uh, it is the people of San Francisco uh, that are following the directive, cooperating and doing the best that you can uh, it's, you're the reason why San Francisco is a model for so many other uh, cities to follow. Uh, you're the reason, your cooperation. And I want to be clear that as difficult as I know it is for you, uh, I know that we have parts of our communities that are not complying with the orders that we put forth. Uh, whether they are being defiant or whether they may not have the mental capacity to really understand and follow the directive. There are challenges we know 
that exist with uh, people who aren't able to follow the order. And again, we are going to do everything we can to get people to comply, uh, but the fact is, what all of you are doing, how you have all participated by following the order, has put us in a great situation, but we can't let up. We can't let up because the fact is, sadly, 20 people have already lost their lives. We have over 1,000 cases in our city and growing. And we can't let up because that could mean the possibility of other people getting infected and seeing the numbers surge completely out of control. That is the last thing we want. And that is why I want to remind you as the weekend comes, make sure that you are keeping your distance from people who are not a part of your household. Make sure you're not making this one-time exception of getting together for a dinner party or any other events. Make sure uh, that you are using the telephone or other resources to call and check on family members uh, to make sure that their mental health and well-being is, is okay. Uh, so, but we need you more than ever to continue down this path so that we can not only flatten the curve but make it non-existent. Thank you all again for your cooperation, and at this time, I would like uh, to introduce the Director of the Department of Public Health, Dr. Grant Colfax. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Mayor Breed. I'm Grant Colfax, Director of Health for the City and County of San Francisco. As we work together across the city to flatten the curve, and even as we all do our part, and even as we see signs of progress, I want to acknowledge the grief, anxiety, and perhaps for some, even anger that, some, that we are experiencing during these unprecedented times. The department, under the direction of the mayor, with other city departments, with key community stakeholders, and from people like you, the department is doing all it can to address and mitigate the spread of the coronavirus. In doing so, the Department of Health will always listen welcome feedback, and strive to refine and improve our response. This is particularly important as it becomes increasingly clear that the coronavirus will exploit long-standing challenges and disparities as it spreads. Whether this be related to other health issues, such as mental health and substance use disorders, or broader inequities, such as homelessness, housing challenges, or income disparities. This is why we must continue together to be unified and vigilant to slow the spread of the virus and to make difficult decisions and to prioritize our actions. We must continue to follow the science, data, and facts as we move forward together. I would like to provide an update on the data, including citywide cases, as well as at the jail, the MSC South Shelter, and Laguna 
onto hospital. Today, as the mayor said, there are 1,058 San Francisco residents with confirmed cases of coronavirus out of a total of 10,077 tests reported. Sadly, 20 people have died. And I send my condolences to their families, loved ones, community, and friends. There are 91 patients with coronavirus hospitalized across the city, and about 30% of these cases are in the intensive care unit. Our hospitalization numbers for COVID-19 positive patients have been holding relatively steady for the past week, which is welcome news. But again, that could change at any time, especially as we expect to see continued outbreaks. Across San Francisco's hospital system today, there are 1,048 acute care beds and 445 intensive care beds available across the city to meet the demands of a surge. Yesterday, the city had its first positive case confirmed in, in our city's jail. The person showed no sign, no symptoms, but was tested and isolated as part of routine testing of all new bookings that are housed in the jail. A contact investigation is underway. As I reported last week, there was an outbreak of coronavirus at MSC South, the city's largest home homeless shelter. As of today, 95 guests and 10 staff there have tested positive for the coronavirus. And at Laguna Honda Hospital, there are 19 confirmed cases of coronavirus. 15 of the confirmed cases are among staff and four are among residents. There have now been no new cases among residents since April 7th. All the residents are in good condition. And again, we are doing everything we can to reduce the spread of the virus in our community, protect vulnerable populations, healthcare workers, and first responders. Now, I would like to provide more details about the new action that San Franciscans, that we are taking to help San Franciscans fight the spread of the coronavirus. Because even as we respond to outbreaks now in the homeless community and in long-term care facilities, we are also looking ahead. Today, as the mayor announced, we will, residents and workers will be required to wear face coverings at essential businesses in public facilities and on transit. This requirement is a legal health order and takes effect at midnight tonight. It strengthens a recommendation we made on April 2nd and is informed by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidelines. Like our shelter-in-place order and many of our approaches, this is a regional effort. The face covering requirements have, have already been announced by Sonoma County 
and several other Bay Area jurisdictions will announce similar orders today. By wearing masks or face coverings when we are interacting with other people in public, San Franciscans will be less likely to transmit the coronavirus to one another. It is important to understand that today's order is part of a broader strategy to establish new ways of interacting and behaving. This will help us now, and it will help us in the future as we hope to be able to relax the stay-at-home order. By then, people will already be in the habit of wearing face coverings at the grocery store, in lines, while riding a bus, taxi, or Uber. It is likely that we will need to continue to do this for some time, even after we start to emerge from our homes. And please, and I can't emphasize this enough, please know and please remember that wearing a face covering is not a substitute for staying at home, staying six feet apart, and frequent hand washing. The purpose of covering your nose and mouth is to protect other people. Face coverings help to stop droplets that may be infectious, even if the person wearing the mask has no or mild symptoms. In other words, my mask, and I want to assure you I was wearing a mask until approaching this podium, my mask protects you and your mask protects me. Covering your face is a great way to show you care for your neighbors, your friends, your community. We are going to have to continue to work together to slow down the virus and reduce transmission. The virus is still out there, so we must continue to be vigilant. I want to emphasize that the face covering is just one part of an effective response infrastructure. Other components include aggressive outbreak investigations, expanded testing, contact tracing, and adherence to isolation and quarantine orders, and continued prevention. All of these, all of these will be critical in the future to maintaining any gains we are making due to our current efforts to flatten the curve. There are good signs that we are indeed making progress, but we still have a long way to go. Thank you for everything you are doing to protect the health of our community. Thank you, Dr. Colfax. Once again, my name is Jeffrey Tumlin, and I am the Director of Transportation at the SFMTA. I've got four key points that I would like to make. One is a reminder. Muni is for essential trips only. This means essential workers and people making essential trips like going to the grocery store, going to the pharmacy, or going to seek social services. If you have another means of making your essential trip, please choose to do so. It's very important that we save seats for essential workers that have no other means of getting to work. The second point, and this is again to emphasize what Dr. Colfax and the mayor have both said, 
If you are riding Muni, please wear a face covering. This is incredibly important. And again, it is not about protecting your health. It's about protecting the health of the other passengers and our operators. Please wear a face mask uh, when riding Muni. Uh, my third key point is also something that the mayor just mentioned, which is uh, our new service offering. We know that as Muni cut back its service to the 17 most essential uh, uh, routes that serve the majority of our riders, that we left parts of the city behind. And so my team has worked rapidly this week to develop the essential trip card. This works effectively as a debit card. And if you are an older adult over the age of 65 or somebody with disabilities, you can order your essential trip card by calling 311 or going to our website at sfmta.com COVID for detailed information. Uh, the card works for with any taxi service. Just call up a cab and use the card just like you would a normal credit or debit card, and it gives you an 80% discount on essential trips, trips to the grocery store or pharmacy or other essential services that you need. Um, at the same time, it also supports our taxi operators who have been hit hard by this crisis. We have partnered with the taxi industry to support them in making sure that all drivers have personal protective equipment as well as cleaning supplies for their vehicles so that they can make sure that the vehicle is clean on every trip. We're very happy to uh, have announced this program in partnership with the taxi industry and hope that it will help provide important connections uh, to members of our community uh, who uh, have suffered from the, uh, the decline in Muni service. My final point is about our Muni Ambassador Program, which we also started piloting yesterday and goes into full effect today. We're having teams of SFMTA employees stationed at the main bus stops throughout the system. Um, they're in yellow vests, uh, so you can see them, and they're helping passengers with a whole variety of of, of uh, health-related uh, objectives, such as standing six feet apart at the bus stop, making sure that passengers are wearing masks. We're partnering with other departments to uh, be able to distribute uh, masks and other face coverings uh, to our riders. They're also making sure that our buses are not getting too crowded. We've set um, specific passenger caps on all of our buses. So we're limiting our 30-foot buses to 15 passengers. Uh, we're limiting our 40-foot uh, uh, buses to 20 passengers. And our 60-foot buses are limited to 30 passengers. What this means is you may be passed up by our operators if the bus is already full. It may also mean that if you're not wearing a face covering at the, uh, at the bus stop, that the operator may also pass you up. So please be patient with us and wait for the next bus, or if you've got another trip alternative, please choose that alternative. Um, we're so happy to be partnering with uh, the Healthy Streets Operations Center as well in order to direct um, people in need of homeless services and other social services uh, to those services rather than taking refuge on our Muni buses. Um, the SFMTA is proud to be able to keep essential workers moving, making sure that the nurses and janitors and cooks and cleaners are able to get to work to keep all of us happy. Um, and we're relying upon all of you in order to do your part as well, in order to keep our passengers and our operators healthy. With that, I'd like to introduce the chief of the San Francisco Police Department, uh, Chief William Scott. First, I'd like to again thank our Mayor London Bree for her leadership during this challenging time and also thank our Public Health Director, Dr. Grant Colfax, for his leadership. 
I want to update you on our enforcement efforts of the public health order. Uh, with this week's good weather, we've increased our presence in city parks and other popular places where we know people enjoy walking and getting out of the house to get some exercise. Uh, with the park rangers from our Recreation and Parks Department, we've been able to basically educate the public and continue to warn the public to make sure that they stay a safe distance away, the six feet that's been recommended by our public health officials. And with that, we are, are still uh, enforcing where enforcement is appropriate, and I'll get to that in a minute. As I've stated before, our officers have found that the vast majority of our public in San Francisco have been compliant. And I'd like to reiterate what Mayor Reed said a little while ago. We also would like to thank the public, the, the members of our public, who have vastly been compliant with this order. There are still some challenges, and we continue to work through those challenges. But the men and women of the San Francisco Police Department want to be part of the solution, and we are here to help and help keep our city healthy and safe. With that said, our citation has not changed from the last press conference on Wednesday. We still have nine citations in connection with violating the county's public health order. Uh, we have issued a number of warnings for the non-essential businesses since Wednesday, and that continues. Um, also, we are still receiving calls regarding social distancing at essential businesses, and I must say most of the businesses uh, the majority of the businesses, for that matter, have been compliant with that. In terms of crime, we are still um, where we were as of Wednesday, same report. Our total overall Part 1 crime, we have a 25% reduction, which equates to 130 fewer crimes than the week before. And that breakdown is a 29% reduction in property crime, which equates to 100 and 30 fewer crimes and a zero change for our violent crime. So we are exactly the same as we were the week before on violent crimes. Compared to March 31st through April 5th of the thir third week of this reporting period, we are still seeing overall decreases in crime. That's both year to date and week to week. We want the public and the people who would take advantage of people during this challenging time to know that we take crime seriously. Nothing has changed in terms of our enforcement of the law. Although you know, the jails have had to make adjustments and other parts of the criminal justice system have had to make adjustments to keep everybody safe, laws are still being enforced and we will make arrests. And working with the sheriffs and the sheriff's department, um, they will accommodate violent offenders and people who threat, threaten public safety. So we wanna make sure that that message is reassured that the public knows that we're out there and that we will continue to be out there. We're still seeing uh, some challenges with burglaries and we're working through that. Um, with that, I'd like to thank our partnership with the district attorney and his team at the district attorney's office. We've made a number of burglary arrests and the district attorney's office has charged additional looting charges on many of those arrests. So I'd like to thank the district attorney and his team for their attention to that matter. This week, um, I also want to give a shout out to our dispatchers. This is um, basically National Dispatchers Week and our dispatchers work 24 seven to reassure the public when people call and sometimes the most um, 
difficult times in their life, those dispatchers are there to reassure them that things are going to be okay as much as we can make them okay. They do a phenomenal job. They're by our side in terms of policing this city, and we want to reach out and thank them for the work that they do through this very challenging time as well. Also, this week is actually also the National Crime Victims Week, and it's the time to remember those survivors who have lost their loved ones to victims of crimes such as murder and other violent crimes. And I want to reach out to our victims and remind them that we are there for you. Uh, the San Francisco Police Department and the city of San Francisco will always be there in your time of need. So we know this is a time that normally there's a lot of, of activities surrounding National Crime Week, uh, Victims Week rather, in the state capitol. And uh, those festivities were not able to happen this week. So we want to let you know that we do remember um, what you all have gone through and we're there for you as well. A couple of notes to reiterate about 420, and I want to, again, thank the mayor for her leadership on this and reiterate what she said. We will be out in full force this weekend and including 420, the date of 420. You will see officers in the parks. You will see streets closed. You will see um, us out with the area fenced off, and we want to remind people, please do not engage in 420 festivities. We can't afford to let up right now. The city is doing well. Our public has responded to the call to stay at home, and we really need you to heed to that advice and stay at home. And if you don't follow that advice, we will be there. And again, um, we will cite, we will arrest if we have to, but we will be there to make sure that we keep this city as safe and healthy as we can. So just a reminder again, please do not engage in 420 activities in the city or anywhere else for that matter during this pandemic. And with that, I will uh, close and thank you again and turn this over for questions. Thank you. Okay, our first set of questions are for Dr. Grant Colfax. Dr. Colfax, the first question is from Mike London, Fox News. Today, Stanford's first antibody test results showed an infection rate in Santa Clara County up to 85 times higher than the number of people who've actually tested positive for an infection fatality rate of 0.12% to 0.20%. What do you make of these numbers and how might they be used to formulate adjustments to the current recommendations? So I think that those, uh, those data are uh, important and certainly significant. I think it's too early to generalize them uh, with regard to how they will apply to our recommendations. Uh, we are reviewing that study and I'm hopeful that there will be other uh, data similar in other jurisdictions um, that will be produced to help us make uh, more informed decisions moving forward. As I have alluded to in previous uh, conferences, we are working hard um, with scientists at, at UCSF uh, to conduct uh, potentially similar studies to get uh, better data on the prevalence of uh, coronavirus uh, in our community. Right now, remember, um, the numbers um, uh, are, are, are based on the number of people we are testing. Uh, it does not represent uh, the, the total number of coronavirus circulating uh, in the community. Those are important data, and we are working hard to obtain them as quickly as possible with scientists um, in the in, in, at UCSF and other academic institutions. And also, are there exceptions for face coverings in public, like kids? How, sh how should parents get their kids to wear masks? 
So we will be um, issuing uh, uh, frequently asked uh, responses to frequently asked questions such as those uh, on our website um, before the order goes into effect at midnight tonight. Um, there's, there, there will be clear guidelines on uh, how to support your children um, in, in wearing masks. I also want to uh, emphasize that in very young children, um, our recommendation, we strongly discourage the use of, of masks in very young children. Um, there is a, a risk of suffocation, so obviously want to make sure that very young children uh, do not wear masks. So uh, those, those guidelines will, will be provided. Um, children under 12 um, are, are not required to wear masks under this order. Ch children under two are, are strong, are, 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 we do not recommend uh, uh, mask wearing under, with, for children under two. And from Shannon Lynn, KQED, how is San Francisco testing homeless populations both in shelters and at encampments? So um, with regard to testing um, in, in, those, in those situations, we follow our policy with regard to testing uh, 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 people in general with regard to uh, focusing on, on people um, who have symptoms. Um, if people are positive, um, we focus on uh, doing in, uh, intensive contact investigation uh, and testing uh, people um, who have had close contacts um, or who are, who are otherwise at risk or who, who show symptoms. Uh, this is um, what we're doing, uh, again, across the city um, um, and as we continue our number of uh, outbreak investigations. Okay, thank you, Dr. Colfax. The next set of questions are for Director Trent Rohr, Human Services Agency. Trent Rohr, Human Services Agency. Okay, Director Rohr, this is from Shi Chao Peng, Sing Tao Daily. How are the shelter hotels run? Are they safe for nearby neighborhoods? Thanks for the question. Um, so first, let me say that the, because there has been some confusion, when the city enters into a contract with the hotel, we are taking 100% of the rooms in that hotel. There has been some confusion that uh, we're, we're taking or contracting with a portion of the rooms in a particular place. Uh, we're not. We have the entire hotel and we staff it accordingly. Specific to the question, um, individuals who are placed in hotels who need to be isolated or quarantined um, are, uh, when they arrive to the hotel, they are counseled by the Department of Public Health staff on site about the need to remain in their rooms. Um, in addition, all of the uh, needs that the uh, patients uh, might have when they're in the, in the hotels are met in their rooms, uh, most notably the food. We bring three meals a day directly to uh, the uh, patient's door. Um, the patient, when they're done, leaves the empty or the, uh, the dirty dishes outside where they're picked up. Same with laundry. Um, everything is, is sort of uh, oriented towards keeping that individual in his or her room in order to satisfy the quarantine or isolation requirements. Okay, and just to reiterate, after moving confirmed cases, contacts, or vulnerable populations into hotel rooms, are they allowed to leave the room? And lastly, are there professional staff on site in each hotel? There, there are professional staff on site at each hotel. In um, the case for isolation or quarantine rooms, there are clinical staff from the Department of Public Health to support the patient's medical needs. In addition, there are hotel operational staff, largely uh, coordinated by the Human Services Agency. These would be just basic hotel operations uh, and coordination of the staff on site. In addition, there may be other caseworker, uh, non-medical type staff to support the tenants as well. 
As I said uh, in my remarks earlier, individuals who are there to isolate or quarantine are uh, counseled uh, at the beginning uh, when they are placed that they are to remain in their rooms. There are wellness checks in the rooms throughout the day in addition to dropping meals off. So the patients who are there are seen uh, many times throughout the day to ensure that they are in their rooms and complying with the directions to remain. Thank you, Director Rohr. The next question is for Director Abigail Stewart-Kahn, Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Okay, sorry, Director Kahn. Um, this question comes from Shannon Lynn, KQED. Can you share why there is a delay with placing more homeless people into hotel rooms? There is no delay. Uh, we are placing people into hotel rooms on a daily basis. Uh, we have opened four hotel rooms uh, for the non-COVID homeless population in a very short period of time. There is another one opening today and more opening over the course of the next week in, rapid, in a rapid approach. Okay, thank you. That concludes all the questions for today's press conference.